0: The atmosphere is changing now, for the Spirit I'm going to be talking about covenant relationships in the church this morning. And just to begin, I've served God now for more than 40 years. And almost all of that, for some reason, He has enabled me to work with Him to bring church bodies together and to... Move forward with one, one vision, one goal. But let me tell you something: if there's if there's two visions in the house, then that is what division looks like. So, we need to realize that God is always driving His agenda, and not mine, and not yours. Now, uh, most church fragmentation, and this comes out of many years of working with churches, most church fragmentation comes from people, well, I, I just, I'll i use the word refusing, they just refuse to lay aside their life and to begin to live in what he has determined. Now, he doesn't just uh, arbitrarily can determine what you need he has established where his church is going and he makes decisions that helps you to be a complete part of what, what he has determined to do now, if you look at, the, look at outside of the church I've already talked about that a little bit about what's out here it's too easy to settle into the goodness of rural America life because it's good for most of us it's good I've lived in enough places to tell you that life in Kirksville, Missouri is good. And God has had me to live and to work with churches in places where life was not good. And so I have something to measure it by. But all of this police action that we have around here, and as I talk to police officers, I hear stories, probably the one freshest on my mind, is of people starting to drink before 6 o'clock in the morning and having problems in their homes before 6 o'clock in the morning. I hear stories of people 21, 22 years old driving up and down our streets and highways cooking off meth in the back seat of their crew cab pickup truck. And if they make one mistake, there's nothing but a smoking hole left in that thing, and everybody around it is dead. But they're being arrested doing that more than one time on our streets. I hear stories of people desperate for their young people to change. And they're not trying to change them in a godly fashion, they're just trying to get them to change. They bring them back into their homes and they steal everything from their parents, their grandparents, everything is not tied down, go sell it and buy some more methamphetamines. People dying, gunshot wounds and whatever, and that's here in this place that on the surface it's a wonderful place to live. On the underside of it, there's people that desperately need deliverance and salvation. And guess who carries that? You do. I also experience time and again people that they think they are carrying the gospel when they talk to someone and say, "Well." You need to meet our pastor. No, they don't. They just met you. Hear me? No, they don't. They just met you. God caused a meeting. Do you realize that's one of the most important parts of intercession? Is that you cause a meeting between someone and God that you are so aware of your relationship with God that you're confident that you can walk into that situation and no matter what it is, at some level, it will change simply because you've been there. You're a child of God. And this is so important because this is something that God is starting to say in the churches, those churches that will get off of their denominational high horses and listen to what God is saying. They're beginning to challenge people and to realize that it's more than just some service. This is where we come to celebrate what God does. It's not the place that we come as a hospital to get our needs met, yet that's the way most churches are meeting. Now, Successful churches are made up of people who walk together in covenant. Now I want to say something that will be a surprise to some of you. You are part of a successful church. I don't care what your little problem is that makes you think it's not. This is a successful group of people who are learning to walk together. We're learning to live together, learning what it is to be in covenant together. But guess what? It's not your covenant, it's His. It's not your covenant, it's His. And He invites us into that covenant. And some, because they, real, they don't understand that to move into it is a walk of death because they don't understand that, they stay outside of that covenant agreement because of their mouth, because of their actions, because of whatever, and they refuse to, to move in and become interactive and be a part of the active family of, the, of Christ in the earth. But I'm telling you that that always moves together. There's always the successful church moving more and more into that covenant and other people walking alongside having not yet having decided that they will lay down their own life, that they will lose their life in this and become a part of what God is doing on the earth. Now, I can tell you very, very plainly that I don't offer covenant relationship to everybody I meet. Why? Because for me, when I enter into his covenant, that puts restrictions on me. And if I offer those covenant relationships to those who are outside of the covenant then it's not going to go well because now I've got obligations that where I'm in it, they're out of it. They're trying to pull me out of it to to be affected by their opinion and I'm not going to be affected and it's going to cause strife. So I just don't even go there. Hmm. We're blessed now, huh? I don't have time to go deeply into the covenant this morning, but most of you have sat under that teaching quite a bit. But just remember that it was a covenant that is marked by, by the animals being divided in half and, and that the covenant participants would walk in a figure eight among those pieces and with the blood, the mud, the mess in between those pieces, they had walked through it. That's what church looks like. You got those pieces. You got the those that have said, Okay, I'll lay down my life, those that have said, No, I'll get my way and I'll have my life, and we walk in the mess that's in between. Circling? (laughs) Shaking it off. (laughs) But The thing is, covenant requires death to control, death to manipulation, death to intimidation, and there's a separation of the halves. It's just the way it is. Now, we walk through the mess. Now look at Proverbs chapter 18. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Is that all of it? Is that both one and two? Okay. There's a lot more in that chapter, and I didn't, wasn't sure how much I gave to the team. Okay, look at John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. You don't get much straighter than that, do you? Every successful church that I have been a part of has been a church of covenant. That people begin to understand that you lay down a lot of possibilities that this world system offers you so that you can walk with the people of God. You actually limit your own action because you've locked yourself in with a group of people. Now, I don't know any other way to illustrate this, so I'll illustrate it out of my own life. Twenty-something years ago, Damon Stern was an 18-year-old man. He and I got connected and I won't go into the details of that. But it became apparent very quickly that our relationship would be for life. Now we're 14, 15, 16 hours apart if Damon's driving 14 and a half, if I'm driving 16 and a half. (laughs) But it would be wrong of me to stay here and never go there when I'm mobile when I can actually do it. It would be wrong of him to stay there and never come here when he, he can actually do it. Why? We're in covenant relationship. We walk through the mess together. We must touch each other's lives. I've made a commitment to him as a father in the house of God. He's 20, 18 years younger than, than me. So... uh I've made a commitment to him. I walk as a father in the house. I don't dominate him, him at all. Or he, you know Damon. Nobody dominates him. Nobody dominates his decisions. And that's right and good. I've, we've worked with people that have tried to get me to straighten him out. How many knows that wouldn't go very well? But the thing is, that's not necessary because I always tell them that you need to wait a minute. He's rough, he's tough, but he needs to be to do the work that God has put before him. And I'm not interfering with that. Now, if you think you want to knock the edges off of him, go ahead and try. I want to watch it. You see. It goes, even, it goes further, it goes broader because when you walk this way you begin to have God pull you into places because he's done something in you already that you can have an effect you can do something here he'll pull you into that and when he pulls you into it he's pulling you into his covenant and he's saying now you walk in it and so back to the illustration of my own life it would be so wrong for me to remove myself from all those relationships and say, no, it's not going to happen anymore. You understand? And to assume that in God's whole covenant work that he didn't have a plan. He had a plan. And it includes me and it includes you. And what you've got to figure out is what's your part in it. And he goes even deeper than that. These these young leaders that are developing here in the house, and when I say young, they're younger than me. It would be completely wrong for me to have such a high opinion of myself to think that God wouldn't enable them if I'm not here. It would, And to not give them place and to not give them... Uh, a place to minister and to not encourage them and not help them. It would be wrong because God pulled them into the same covenant that I'm in. And I'm not the covenant maker. He is. I've just been pulled into that covenant. And he said, now I'm going to teach you the ways. And my goodness, what a blessing it is to come into covenant through descendancy. Because I get to learn it. I don't have to walk through those pieces and say, if I'm less faithful than my father then let me be as these pieces. He already did that. Now, the faithfulness that he demands of me is that I give my life to bringing everything out of you that I can. But he also gives me his grace to watch your life and see if you're laying it down or not. And if you're not laying it down, then he redirects my path and I begin to pull on someone else simply because you're not there yet. You're not, you haven't come into that laying my life down. You haven't stopped that. And I'm not, when I say you, I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm generally saying you. And if God is saying you, that's up between you and him. It's not me. But I, you haven't pulled yourself into that covenant and saying, okay, there's some things I'm not going to be. Not because I can't be, but this covenant demands that there's something I'm not going to be. This covenant demands that if my wife is having a problem with me that she thinks we can't resolve together, that she can go to some of the leadership of this church and talk with them. She can go to them. She can go to Damon. She can go to Moses. She can go to Rapha. She can talk to them about our stuff. And I will submit myself to that. Why? Covenant. Covenant. Do I have the normal American male pride? Yeah, but God's come a long ways in stomping that in the dirt and trampling it in the mess between the pieces. Also, when when something disrupts in the family, in the church family, I have an obligation to just keep walking between the pieces. Just keep walking between the pieces. Now... Children in a household, how many knows when children come, they create opportunity for us to walk in the mess. (laughs) When children come into this house, into this family, they create opportunity for us to walk in the mess. And some children choose to never grow up. I talked to a dad not long ago that... He's talking about one of his children and he was very sober when he said you know this child has not yet chosen to grow up and I realized the wisdom in that because he realized that they reach an age where you can no longer just demand anything but you have to realize they've just chosen not to grow up they're not walking in the covenant of that household and then you got to decide, are you going to cut them off? Or are you going to continue in the covenant that God put before us? And when he said to honor one another, when I honor you, I just give you all the room you need to become who God had intended you to be and help you in every way I can to become that. But I also honor others by not getting too involved in your mess. <laughs> because if I do that, I can create more mess because we're dealing with older, mature people who need to just be allowed to do their stuff. Not that you could change it anyway. He who saves his own life loses it. If we're gonna produce on this earth the life of us, some of us will have to die to do that. That's just the bottom line. Now, I want you to think of Joseph. Eventually became the hus- husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In his world, to have sex before marriage was never, never, never accepted. In his world, if a woman became pregnant while being engaged to her, you had two choices. You could make it a private matter and just get her out of the public eye. Or there's a possibility of getting her stoned. That's what the pressure of the culture would demand. And Joseph, being the, the man that he was, he decided that he would put her away privately and let it all go away. Because how many knows, even wearing robes, you don't hide a pregnancy for nine months. But God visited, the angel of the Lord visited Joseph and said, Joseph, what Mary's telling you is true. She has not known a man. She is pregnant by the power of the Spirit. Now he's got a dilemma. He can walk through the mess as a man. And embrace the word of God in spite of the culture. Or he can go ahead and put her away privately. And he chose to be a man. He would walk beside her. He would face his family. He would face whatever he had to face. But most importantly, guys I want you to listen to this. Joseph understood that as a man he was strong. And he would give his strength to the word and will of God. He would make a living. He would support his family. He would treat Jesus as if it were his own son. Making a a determination that only a man can make. That I have strength. And I will lay that strength down beside the will of God. And no matter what it costs, I'll walk in it. Guys, some of us need to walk in it because some of us need to realize that when people st- start coming against that which God has determined and they start running it down whether it's with their mouth or with their life we need to be strong enough as men to stand up and say but I've heard God this is from God and I will give my support I will, give, I will walk in this no matter what is said or who says it God has spoken. God has determined something will happen, and I'll walk in it, because guys, if you'll reach in and grab that strength, you'll find out it's there. You have it, because God gave it to you, and God will support you in that. I'm not talking about being mean about it. I'm talking about just standing up and saying, no, we're going to live this out, because God has told me that this is of Him. Joseph was a tremendous, tremendous... Example for us to follow. A child that he did not sire, but he showed that child in life. He showed him covenant, where Jesus would learn at that early age to walk in covenant. Now, social and religious structure was tearing him apart, but he was walking in the will of God, strong, going, doing it. Now, If we will show the world the heart of Father, the heart of Abba, we'll change our world. That he honors men in in so many ways. But just just let that stand there. He honors men. And one of the ways that we show the world Abba is we sacrifice our best so the world can be saved. And that's exactly what God did. He sent his son, the best, sacrificed him so the world can be saved. And I've said this over and over again in front of Damon and Jackie. We literally sent the best we have, the most prepared to do the work before them. We sent them and we continue to support them. Why? Because we're showing the heart of Abba to the reservation at Fort Berthold. Now, I make all kinds of jokes about Damon, and Damon makes all kinds of jokes about me, but I'm telling you, we have a covenant relationship, and that man is as good as it gets. He has a heart that you would not believe. Does he express it kind of roughly sometimes? Sure he does. He's a man. And some people will never understand that, so let's have that that stand all of our religious effort, everything you see here is an absolute waste of time if we don't walk in covenant and show it to the world. If we don't walk in love one for another and show it to the world, it's a waste of time because this world needs family. Our culture has so fragmented family and we don't even know it. We don't even take time to realize it. But just the thing of taking both mom and dad away from the family and giving the raising of our families to the schools and to TV, it caused fragmented families. And how do we get beyond that? I'm not sure, but I know that God has some answers. But first, we've got to be willing to walk in the mess to walk it out. Uh, How many have ever been to California and saw the redwood trees? Anybody? I have. Aren't they amazing? I didn't get a tape measure and climb but they tell me that some of them stretch over 400 feet. Isn't that incredible? You would think that those redwood trees would have a taproot system that was a mile long. But the longest ones are 10 feet. Yet they face the winds of those specific storms, and rarely is one ever blown blown over. Why? Because there's an intricate network of roots just under the surface, where every one of those trees is connected to the other trees. And when you blow on one tree, you blow on a subsurface structure that holds them in place. And they pull, one of those trees will rock back and it'll pull 30 trees on each side to hold itself in place. Church, hear me, what a, what a demonstration of church relationships. Yes, we might be blown back and forth. Betty was expressing to me last week of how that it's just been a hard week. But you know what? She's got relationships. She's got people that's praying, that's talking to her, people that's trying to pull it together. I'm telling you that no matter how weak we seem to be in the moment of the storm, if we walk in covenant, we can pull on all those relationships. You know, every one of you, probably all of you in your marriage, are clinically incompatible. Yeah, you you search it out, you'll find out. Chelsea and I, I'm I'm sure, are clinically incompatible. But well, my goodness, she's part of who I am. She's the woman I love. And when the winds are blowing, and believe me, they blow. You want to be a pastor? Congratulations. <laughs> but the strength that she has sometimes holds me in place and the strength I have sometimes holds her in place. Last week, there was, there was some uncertainty in me, Sandra, about how to proceed with Gary and Cora. The relationship that we were talking about down here and God was pulling on you here and you had just the right words to pull that in together and it was, go- it was not this good, it was God. And folks, that's what it looks like, that, that we've got to trust each other. But unless, unless you die to yourself, if I had felt like I had to control that and do something, it probably would have been wrong. But I was so glad somebody else heard God. Because I, those kind of things, I'm, I'm not a ooey-gooey kind of guy, you know. And, and sometimes I have a hard time figuring those kind of things out. I'm glad other people have that. that feely thing you know and I'm maybe God's working on that maybe he's not but unless you want to live and die alone you got to become a part of what Abba's doing in this house first and then in in the house extended and if you need counsel get counsel from people that have trudged through the blood for years They, they they just walked through the muck and just kept going you want counsel? Get counsel from those kind of people. There's times, Sai and LaRoyce gives us the most wonderful counsel. And they don't even tend to. It's just out of their life, out of conversation. And I've got questions for people that have walked with God as long as you guys have. And I don't care if you've walked with God for two years Talk about what's happening. Talk about what God is doing. Get together with people. Talk about God. Talk about your relationship because I'll learn from you. I'll pull on whatever it is and I'll take your stories and make sermon illustrations out of them because I'm always looking for those. Just understand. no, No, not without asking you if I can. But, folks, live the wonder of relationship, don't shut yourself away. Don't, don't decide that, that sitting there with a game board is what you want to do with all of your spare time. Don't, don't think, that, think that you're being relational when you're texting and, and when you're doing all That's not relational. That's separating you from the relationship. Sometimes we need to just see Jesus with skin on. And you don't see that on a screen. And this is what makes the parts of a healthy church. I looked into a little bit, and I'm not a farmer, I'm not a gardener, but I looked into pollen just a little bit, and I was surprised to find that if you have two cornfields across the road from one another, that pollen will literally blow on the wind from one field to the other. Hmm. That just shocked me. I, I never thought of that. I thought about bees and birds and wind and all that, but I didn't think about how from one field to another that the thing that causes that germination of life is born on the wind. Blow, wind, blow. Whose pollen is blowing across your field? You know, it's really hard for pollen to blow through screens and closed doors. Uh The, the scripture said, if a seed doesn't fall in the ground and die, there's something uncomfortable in that, isn't there? You can't bear fruit in comfort. You just can't. For me, it's not comfortable to get out and, and meet strangers and, and move among strangers with a, with a friendly face. Uh, it's more comfortable for me to back up against the wall and watch strangers than it is for me to move among them. And then you have people like Paul Chickenelli comes up behind you and wraps his arms around you, and everything says, respond right, respond right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Paul, no problem. You see, you're here to be a part of the church. That's why he called you here. He didn't call you here so that you could get ministered to every day. He didn't call you here so that the church would sing the songs that you want to sing. He didn't call you here so that you'd get the messages that, that, that you want. He didn't call you here to be comfortable. He called you here to walk in the mess, to, to walk in among the pieces, and, and to be one of those that pulls the pieces together. That's why he called you here. He, you are to be deeply intertwined with people. Well, that's not me. That's why he saved you, because that's not you. If, if you didn't need changing, He wouldn't have messed with saving you. <laughs> now, I want you to get this. We've been moving here in an express presence of God. There, it, there's just, for me, there's no denying it. There is a wonderful presence of God that has started to manifest here. If we want the fullness of of His presence to express, you've got to be willing for the fullness of your presence to express. You've got to be willing for the fullness of worship to express, for the fullness of confidence to express, for the fullness of prayer to express, for the fullness of being who you are to express. If you will be fully present, we'll see more fullness of His presence. Instead of coming to be just to receive something, come to give him something. Come to just be who you are in his presence and to take something from him. We're a kingdom of priests. Priests, the priests of God do a wonderful thing. Priests of idols, they take sacrifice to the idols and get nothing in return. Priests of the Almighty God comes into the presence of God and comes out of that presence with something to give to those around them. A kingdom of priests, a kingdom of people doing something out of the presence of God. Our social order gives us all kinds of excuses for building separate personal lives. It does. It just it just gives us all kinds of excuses. Now let me ask you a question, and this is kind of the altar call time now. When did God permit give you permission? to live a separate a separate life when did god give you permission to build a personal kingdom let me ask you an even deeper question when did you quit loving if you're willing to with your mouth tear down what god is doing when did you quit loving if you're willing with your life to express something other than god outside of here, when did you quit loving? I'm telling you it's that serious. When did God give you permission to do that? And when did you quit loving? Because you know what? Any time I choose to not love this body, I am 100% at fault. It's not the fault of the messages. It's not the fault of the worship team. It's not the fault of who did or did not visit me this week. I am 100% at fault when I choose not to love this body. Think about it. And if we will choose to love one another, by this they will know him by our love, one for another. And in our mouth is life and death. You know what my number one job is? To try to make heaven famous on earth. That's what it is. That's my number one job. That everybody I come in contact with comes away thinking somehow that rough Oklahoma preacher has been in the presence of God somehow somehow somewhere he's been with Jesus that's my job and sometimes that job calls me to different places and my being somewhere else develops what he's doing here because in this house is not personality driven it's god driven god called us from the very beginning in this house to be an apostolic group realizing that god calls and god sends and we we are apostolic in giving we are apostolic in praying we are apostolic in sending we are apostolic in everything i tell you, the messages here are a little little apostolic from time to time. They're, They're a little cutting and so forth. But the thing is, it's who we are. And to be us, we've got to walk in covenant together and be okay with what God is doing and be okay with someone hearing God and it's a little different from what we thought we heard. And I was talking about this earlier this week. When somebody comes up to me and, and they want to try to push onto me that they're hearing something specific in God about what I'm supposed to do, I just tell them, you know, he's going to have to tell me. Why? Because I know him. I, I've got a relationship with him and I kind of like hanging out with him and he talks to me. And If he's not telling me that, well, then I'll start to pray about it and then here's how I'll pray, God, if that's supposed to be from you, I want to hear you say it. If it's not, I want them to know they're trying to push their will on me. They're trying to control me. They're they're trying to do all those things that you don't allow. So God, which is it? What am I supposed to do? Keep walking? Or am I supposed to change? If I'm supposed to change, I'll change. Because this is about change. Not about staying the way we were. It's not about recreating what mom and dad was raised in. Not about recreating Azusa Street. It's about drinking from the river of life now and realizing that we will drink from it again tomorrow and it'll be different water. It's all flowing, all moving, the winds blowing, the breath I breathe today will be a different breath from tomorrow, but the life comes from Him. The challenge before the church this morning is what will you do? What will you do? I have found from ministering to older people through the years that people who build a life alone and live alone and do not develop deep relationships die very lonely people. But people that walk in the covenant relationships of the church do not die that way. Why? It's covenant. We walk together. We talk together. We learn from one another. We receive from one another. And sometimes we receive things that we're not sure. But one thing I will always identify if it's life, I'll embrace it. If it's death, cut that thing off and move on. And that's what you need to ask yourself about your own communication, your own life. Is it life or is it death? Because in Him is life, and much more abundantly than you can ever live in your own social thing. Now, you can become a lot in this social order. You can. You can push and shove and become a lot. But righteousness, peace, and joy won't be a part of that. And that's what we really all want. Right relationships, peace in our hearts, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. That's life and living And ask yourself the question this week, what is life really all about? Because you can't take it with you except for these relationships. I can take them right out into eternity with me. And it'll be whatever eternity is, it'll be good. Because we have relationship, very deep relationship. There's some people that have gone on that I want to see them when I get there because I want to laugh at them and tell them you were wrong. (laughs) You thought this was going to happen this way. It didn't happen this way at all. Why? Because that's relationship. We just do stuff like that. It's fun. But some of them that were wrong, we probably won't see them. Because they were really wrong. And that's what drives me out there. Is maybe I can reach and pull one in. Maybe, maybe I can reach and pull ten in. Maybe I can give somebody what I know, and they can pull two hundred in. What what church body is going to welcome and embrace the next Billy Graham? Somebody will. Wouldn't it be cool if we did? I don't know if those of you study church history are familiar with D.L. Moody. Somebody saw fit to win a shoe salesman to Jesus. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. You know, I'm not on the standard of any of those guys, but one of my cousins saw fit to challenge me one night when we had just finished deer hunting and were around the campfire. And because of his obedience... Many, many people are serving God today. And you know what? Because of your obedience to what God is doing, we still go out and affect many, many people. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. It just takes obedience on your part. That's all. Father, let your conviction grip us. God, just let it grip us. I'm reminded of of David expressing thirst for the waters of Bethlehem. God, I, I think you're expressing thirst for sons and daughters of the kingdom that will bring in people. And God, let us be those that will go through anything to see that you get what you set out to do. Because God, you trusted us with this. And that's an amazing thing to me. I'm not sure how smart it was but evidently, you thought it was the way, so I'll embrace it and move with it. Lord, I love you. I just want to be—I just want to be who you want me to be and who I'm supposed to be. But God, in among it all, I know it'll be walking through the mess that is your local body, however many places that might be. Jesus, don't let us get away from covenant relationships. Draw us into your covenant. And to your grace, your mercy.